you'd like to follow along this morning, you can be finding the book of Hebrews. We're going to be looking at the first four verses of Hebrews. So Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Without pointing fingers, has anyone ever given you the silent treatment? Maybe you've done something wrong. Maybe you did something or maybe you didn't to offend someone. And instead of talking about it, they just sort of keep quiet. (laughs) They won't share anything with you. They won't talk to you. When you're the person giving the silent treatment to someone else, you kind of get that odd sense of pride. It's almost like a little bit of power over the situation. But when you're being given the silent treatment, it's very very frustrating, right? I wish I just knew what you were thinking right now. Just just talk to me. Just tell me what you want. Uh, In most cases, you're just sort of left to guess. What what does the person want from me? How, How can I make things better? God has not given us the silent treatment. God has not been silent to humanity. When we, God's creation, rebelled against him, he didn't abandon us. God didn't immediately consume us, destroy us. He didn't, like a lump of clay, ball us up and throw us away. God hasn't left us in the dark without any hope. He hasn't been silent to us. When our sin separated us from our Creator, God took the initiative. The offended one took the initiative, and He chose to speak to us. He chose to make His Word known to us, what His will for us is. He chose to let us know what His will is, that we might be forgiven and made new so that we can be right with Him. He didn't stay silent. He used prophets. He sent angels. God has communicated his word, we'll see, in in many times and in many different ways. But now, he has spoken to us in his son. God has sent more than a prophet. He's sent more than an angel. But he's revealed his will, he's revealed his word to us. He's revealed what he wants out of my life and out of your life by sending his very son to become a man and take the price of our sins on his own body. In Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses, what we're going to see is that Jesus is the supreme revelation of our Creator. If you want to know who God is, you want to know what His will is, what His Word is, you don't have to guess, you don't have to wonder, but you can go to His Word and you can learn from who His Son is, what, who our God is, and what our Creator wants from us. He came He revealed God to us in a way that no prophet and no angel could, and he purchased our salvation in a way that certainly no prophet and no angel could. The verses we're going to read this morning, they're dense. (laughs) There's a lot in them, and we'll likely spend our entire lives just mining all the the, the riches of the truths that we're going to read about this morning. But my prayer for you all is, is simple. My prayer is that as we study these verses together, uh, that we'll all leave here this morning praising the Son of God as only He deserves, giving Him the glory in our own hearts, glorifying Him to the people around us as only He deserves. Let's read Hebrews chapter 1 and start in verse 1. The writer says, Long ago, 
At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's have a word of prayer together as we start. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die for us. I pray, Lord, that we would all have hearts this morning. Help us to rid our, our minds of distractions. And Lord, just to glorify your name. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> you know it's going to be a good story when it starts with long ago, right? A long time ago, something happened. Well, the writer of Hebrews, speaking to a Jewish audience, begins the entire book by comparing the prophets who spoke to their ancestors and the Son of God. And what we're going to see in the first couple of verses of, of this passage is that uh, while the truth remains true, while the message has not changed, the messenger that God has revealed to us and his Son is more glorious than anyone who would come before him. The writer of Hebrews says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God has spoken. God has revealed his word. He hasn't been silent. He hasn't kept from us what his will is. You and I can know what God wants from us. It's not a, it's not a mystery. It's, it's not a secret that you can't understand. But you can know the word of God. And, and in what we would think of as, as Old Testament times, when you, the Jews would look back on their ancestors and, and men like Abraham and David and looking to men like Jeremiah and Isaiah, the writer of Hebrews looks back on that time, that, that long ago time before the Christ came, before the Son of God became a man. And he says, long ago at that time, God spoke to us in many ways and at many times. There's these two words, at many times and in many ways, just sort of this all-encompassing way of saying God spoke in a variety of ways at a variety of times. Uh, you think about the, just the different lives and different men and, and women that were used to take the revelation of God that was given to them. God revealed his word to them, and then they faithfully took it to the people. And they communicated to humanity what, what God wants, what, what is his plan? What are we supposed to do in light of who he is? God used many different people at many different times, and he even spoke in a lot of different ways. He, he sent visions, he sent dreams. At times, God revealed his word in, in loud, audible voices to people at times in the Old Testament. God, God spoke his word and revealed what it is, and we can read about that in Scripture. We have it in front of us. But he says in verse 2, And these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. And I want you to note something very important here. There's a, a very important distinction to make. I don't want you to get the wrong idea about what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. The difference between the speaking and the message of the prophets and the message of the Son, the difference is not in truthfulness. It's, it's not in, in uh, the, the quality of the message. But what we're going to see is that the, the messenger, the difference is in the degree of the, the messenger and his glory. 
We're told that God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. You have the contrast between before the Christ came and, you know, in the time long ago, God spoke through prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah, but now God has sent his son and he's spoken in his son. In both cases, God has spoken. Both cases, it is the word of God that, that does not change. It's truthfulness, doesn't go away. The coming of Jesus as the Son of God in the flesh, did not render the Old Testament useless. It didn't render the Word of God any less true in the past. It didn't take God's Word for the prophets and make it, you know, no longer applicable or no longer relevant to us. It's still true. It remains true as the Word of God. It's, it's unchanging. But God has revealed Himself to a degree now that is greater than what the prophets could do. In fact, He's revealed Himself in a messenger that is greater than the prophets, it's even his son, he says. The prophets were, they were, uh, they were vessels for the word of God. They could take what God revealed to them and, and share it faithfully with the people around them. They could take the word of God and communicate it, but the son is different. God didn't just communicate through the son. God, God communicated, he spoke to us in his son, the very life of Jesus. Everything about Jesus, his, his life, his words and his works, his demeanor, the way that he came to us reveals our creator to us in a way that the prophets could not do. He says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There's a difference here in the messenger. There's a difference in the glory of the one who is revealing our God to us. The Son of God revealed our Creator to a degree that the prophets could not do because, in fact, they are, they're, they're human, they're fleshly, they're, they're imperfect. And the Son of God fulfilled a role that, that only He could satisfy, revealing God in a way that, that no, one, no one else could and fulfilling His role in a way that no one else could. And here we see in the second half of verse 2, the writer of Hebrews he draws this even greater distinction between a prophet, an earthly prophet, a man or a woman who received the word of God and communicated it, and the Son of God. See, the Son of God is not part of creation. The Son of God, he's not limited by the universe, not limited by creation, but he is the creator. God hasn't just spoken to us by, by, uh, by you know, an imperfect man or woman, an imperfect human. God has spoken to us in his Son, who, as he says, he is appointed heir of all things who, through whom also he created the world. We get this grand scope of who the Son is. He's not just a finite prophet. He, he, he's not just a person in the flesh, but the Son of God existed before creation, and he will exist in eternity in the future. He was both the one who, through him, the world was created, and he's the one who will rightly, in the end, inherit all of the universe himself. That's the name that he has that's far above any prophet, far above any man. <clears throat> the Son of God created the universe. You know, in the beginning was the Word. That is the Son. He was there at creation, before creation. He exists outside of what we would call time and space, all the universe. That, the Word used in verse 2, where it says, through whom also he created the world. That word for world is one that it's not just speaking about earth as we know it. It's not just speaking about the people in earth, 
but we're talking about what we would just call the universe. It's everything involved in time and in space. All of that, the sun exists outside of. <laughs> he, he's not dependent on it. He made all of creation, and he will rightly inherit it all and has done so already. The sun is greater than a prophet. And in fact, he reveals God in a way that the prophets could not do. Uh, more than just a prophet, Jesus, the Son of God, revealed the word of God to us because he, in fact, is God in the flesh. The Son is our God. We read in the next couple of verses about just the, the divine glory and power of the Son of God. And the writer says, he uses these really powerful phrases to describe how the Son of God is one with the Father. He is one with God. He says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. For a time, God spoke His word and used prophets. But now he's come himself. He has, he's, he's, he's spoken to us in himself, in his own son, who is God. We get these two phrases, that, that the son of God is the radiance of the glory of God, and he's the exact imprint of his nature. And so let's for a moment consider these two phrases. Uh, your Bible, for the radiance of the glory of God, might use the word brilliance. Or if you're really lucky, you might get a Bible that translates it with that great word, effulgence. Um, it's, it's, it's the light that shines off of something. It's the rays of, light's beaming, rays of light beaming or flashing forth from something. It's splendor. It's brilliance. It's radiance. The King James uses the brightness. The writer of Hebrews says that the Son of God, He is the radiance or the brightness or the, 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 the splendor of what? The glory of God. What is God's glory? I used to ask that question in my, the Wednesday night class all the time. What, is, what does it mean to, be, to have glory? What is glory? It's everything that makes God impressive. It's everything that makes God impressive or, or to hold weight. God, God's, God's love, God's power, God's omniscience, all those things that we talk about, what makes God God, all his glorious attributes, <clears throat> that is his glory. And the writer of Hebrews says, the Son of God, He is the glory of God. He is that radiating glory of God. <clears throat> he even says He's the exact imprint of His nature. The exact imprint. Uh, when you were younger, did you ever make one of those, uh, like a charcoal rubbing of something? Or you take a sheet of paper and you lie it over something that has, you know, bumps and curves and contours, and you, you, you take charcoal and you rub over it so you get, you get a nice little... Uh, a, a nice little picture of what you're looking at with all the bumps and all the crevices and every, every detail about it you get out because you, you make this impressed mark of this graving. And this word for the exact imprint in the ESV, in the King James, it says the express image. It's where we get our word character from in English. It could mean an engraving or it could be a stamp. You can think about like on a coin or on a seal, you have the exact image of whoever it represents. Writer of Hebrews says that the Son of God, he's not only the, the, the radiance of God's glory, all the brilliance of the glory of God is seen in the Son, 
but he's also the very exact imprint or exact representation, the, the exact stamp of God. He says he's the exact imprint of his nature. There's another great word here. And actually, you may remember another verse from the book of Hebrews that comes later in Hebrews chapter 11, where he defines faith. And he says that faith is, it's that the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, that assurance word, it's, it's the very essence of what makes something, something. <laughs> it, it's what lies beneath, what lies at the core of something. That's this word nature that the writer of Hebrews uses about the son. He says that the son of God is the exact imprint or representation of the entire nature or the what this very substance or the very essence of who God is. That's some really powerful, deep descriptions of who the Son of God is. The point here is not to, to, to draw a distinction between the Son and between God, but the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand here, trying to get the readers to understand that, that Jesus himself, the Son, is God. He has all the distinctive markings. He has all the distinctive attributes, all the glory, all the, all the impression of God are seen in the Son of God. He's not different. When God spoke through his Son, he's speaking through himself. He's speaking through his own glory, his own representation, not just a prophet. The words of the prophets were true. They, they were powerful. They were God's word that they shared but the Son of God represents God in a, in, a, in a higher degree. His very self, his very presence is the presence of God. While the prophets received revelations from God and they could, they could faithfully reveal his will by preaching his messages, none of them bore the radiance of the glory of God like the Son did. None of them, uh, none of them bore the exact imprint of God's nature like the Son of God does. It reminded me a lot of the Mount of Transfiguration when Peter and James and John get to see that, that glorified uh, appearance of Jesus on the mountain. He's shining forth brilliantly and they're so, they're so terrified of the beams of light coming off his body and his clothing that they fall on the ground on their face. That's the kind of radiance that the sun has that a prophet doesn't have. That's the kind of glory that the Son of God has that, that, that a mere man or woman does not have. The sun is glorious. And indeed, no one has power like him. After these two descriptions, the writer of Hebrews says that he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We've already read how Jesus, the Son, existed before creation. He created, he'll inherit it all. And the only reason that this entire universe holds together is because of his word. That's the authority that he has. That's the power that he has at profit did not have. He doesn't depend on creation. All creation depends on him. All of us depend on his word, depend on his power. Paul told the Colossians that, speaking about Jesus, he said, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. That was Paul's way of saying it. Now the writer of Hebrews says the same thing. Excuse me for a moment. Why does this all matter? Why does it matter that Jesus was greater than the prophets? Why does it matter that the Son of God is more glorious, more powerful, has more authority than the prophets who came? Because you and I needed the Son and what only He could do. You and I needed God to speak to us through His Son. 
needed him to, to reveal himself in his son. Jesus, the son of God, was in a, is, is in a position that was, is, is totally unique to him. He has a power and a glory that only he has that was required to accomplish what God had planned for us. Why does it matter that the Son is more glorious and powerful than the prophets? It's because Jesus is in that position to both reveal the Father to us in a way that, that no prophet could, but also to accomplish the Word of God in a way that no prophet could. And he did so when he became flesh, and he offered his glorious, blameless body for you and I on the cross. The writer of Hebrews goes on, after contrasting the Son with prophets and talking about how the Son of God, he, he is God. He has all his glory, all his, rep, all his representation is in the Son. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. He has that authority. And look at what he used that glory and that power for. The writer says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. No human being, no prophet could wash away your sins. No prophet could take your place on the cross. There was no prophet who could offer their blood to cover your sins. And yet the son was in the position to do so. And even, what's even more worthy of praise is the fact that he chose to do so. Out of love for us, the writer of Hebrews says that after he made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. He made purification for our sins. No, no Old Testament prophet could purchase our salvation, could purchase salvation for humanity. Not even an angel can make you pure. <laughs> there is no spiritual being out there uh, that, other than the Son of God who can take your sinful soul and make you new, can, can, can wash your sins and make you right with God. Only the Son could make purification for sins. The Son of God, who is the exact imprint of God, who radiates all the glory of God for a time, chose to be even lesser than an angel. For a time, gave up all the prestige of being the glorious, honored one in heaven, of being the one who has all that power, all that authority. He, he gave up his, the position of glory for a time for you and I. So that you and I could be washed of our sins and be right with our creator. The creator himself stepped down from his glorious position in heaven and gave his own blood for our sins, gave his own life for ours. And when we trust in the Son... When we trust in Jesus as our Savior, our sins are washed away. The dead is erased for eternity. He does for us what, what no person could do, what no, what no uh, you know, frail, sinful human could do. In Matthew 20, Jesus told his disciples that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Son revealed the Father's heart to us in a way the prophets, they couldn't do because it was his very life. It was his very, his very actions, everything he said, everything he did, the role that he fulfilled on the cross revealed our Father's will for us, that we would trust in him and be saved, that we would have our sins forgiven by putting our faith in Christ. And because the Son became the ultimate servant, 
The writer of Hebrews says he's inherited a name that is far above any other name. Jesus was the greatest servant. And so he is the one with the greatest name above, above all others. He says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The majesty on high, was a, it's a way of referring to what we would call the father. Where we're talking about God. It was a, a kind of a, a metaphorical way of just referring to the majestic creator of all things. When the Son of God, who is one and the same with our Creator, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, he did so after he had completed his sacrificial work. He had done everything necessary. It was finished, right? He gave his life on the cross. He paid the price. And now he is offered as our salvation to those who will believe in him. And so he sits down at the right hand of the majesty on high, awaiting that day when one day he'll return and he'll come back as a conquering king. He's been given a name in verse 4. He's inherited a name that is more excellent than any angel because he is more excellent than any angel. For a while, he was in a position on earth when he took the form of a man, when he took on flesh. Jesus was in a, a less glorious position because he became one of us for our benefit. But when he gave his life on the cross and he was resurrected and he ascended into heaven, his name was exalted into a position that's far above all others. And he, he, he sits on a throne far above all others. His name is superior. He is superior to an angel or to a prophet. He is worthy of your trust. He is worthy of your faith more than any person and more than any angel or other spiritual being you can think of. His name is more excellent than theirs. There's a lot here in these verses. There's so much truth about who the Son of God is. And what I want you to see is that this same glorious Son who radiates all the incredible nature of the Lord, who is his exact imprint, who gave his life as a purification for our sins and is now sitting on his throne, that's the same Jesus who we're praising this month. That's the same Jesus who we're giving glory to this month and will be giving glory to for eternity. You and I will be praising his name forever because he's deserving of glory beyond anyone or anything else. He deserves that place in your heart beyond anyone or anything else as the son of God. God has spoken to us in his son. You don't have to wonder what your creator wants from you. You don't have to sit in the darkness. If you are in the darkness and you have access to the word of God, you do so willingly. You can know what God wants. God has revealed, has been revealing his desire for us throughout history that we would turn from our sin and trust in him to save us. And now he's revealed that desire to us in the clearest way possible by coming to us himself. What will you do with the word of God? How will you respond? We have his complete revelation. You're probably holding a copy of it right in front of yourself. We have the complete revelation of God's word through the prophets their words remain true. God's word through them remains true. It's still beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for instruction, just like Paul told Timothy. It remains powerful. We study it. We preach it here. We, we, we want to understand it because it's God's word. And now God has spoken to us in his son, and we have the revelation of who his son is and what his son has said, his own life. Will you listen to what God has said through the prophets? Will you listen to what he said through his son? 
Well, we've talked a lot about what the, that the Lord has spoken. He's spoken through the prophets. He's spoken through the Son. But what is the message? What is he speaking? I want to finish this morning by reading from John chapter 6. I'll leave you with John chapter 6 and verse 35. <clears throat> if you want to know the will of the Lord, here it is. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Now listen to this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. If you would please stand as we prepare for a word of invitation. If you would bow with me. Lord, thank you for revealing yourself to us. God, I thank you for not leaving us in the dark. Thank you for not leaving us without hope. But Lord, you're worthy of all, all our praise, all our love, because God, you've chosen to tell us what you want. And you've chosen to send your son that we can be right with you, that our sins can be forgiven. Lord, I pray this morning that if there's someone here who they've heard the word of God, they know what the message is, but they've not believed in the Son as their Savior, that they would do so today. They would make that decision and trust in you and have eternal life. And Lord, I pray that for those of us here who have believed in the Son, who, who do trust in him, God, that this week you would remind us to, to give him all the glory in our life. Lord, to give him a spot in our life that's far above anything else or anyone else. And Lord, I just, I'm so thankful for him and we, we await the day when he returns as a glorious king. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.